topic this evening is from Micah, chapter 1, Naked and Bald. I don't know what uh, imagery comes to your mind when, <laughs> with that title, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Okay, Micah, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth. In the days of Jothan, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Now, even right there, it's kind of a lot in there and packed in there. All right, so we have this prophet, the word of the Lord coming through him, so he's not claiming any credit for himself. It's the word of the Lord, and it came to him in the days, and then it gives a list of three kings of Judah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So we know from this verse itself that he prophesied uh, through three kings for at least, well, Ahaz was king for 16 years, and so if we give him at least one year with Jotham and one year with Ahaz, we know he prophesied for at least 18 years. But we'll see here in another few verses that, uh, that he prophesied for at least 31 years, at least one year with Jotham, 16 years with Ahaz, and at least 14 years with Hezekiah. <clears throat> and it mentions the kings of Judah, and it only mentions those kings of Judah but it says, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Jerusalem being the capital of the nation of Judah. Samaria being the nation of the kingdom of Israel in the north. And he says Samaria first, which is interesting. Uh, you know, first maybe giving uh, emphasis that uh, that's where most of his prophecy was directed. But he doesn't mention the kings of Samaria. Uh, and it doesn't mention, or of Israel, and doesn't mention Israel. It just mentions the three kings as kings of Judah, but it does mention Samaria. So obviously, uh, well, it seems that he was living then, no doubt, in, in Judah, um, and so that's where he was from, and that's where he prophesied from, but his prophecies applied to and were directed at both Samaria, Israel in the north, and Judah in the south. And so looking at our timeline, uh, we've read and scriptures from David all the way to Hezekiah in the kings of Judah, from Jeroboam all the way to Hosea, Hosea in the north Israel, um, as well as the Psalms and the Proverbs and, and, uh, and, and, and many of the prophets so far. We're up to Micah right here, uh, who again matched up with Isaiah and uh, Hosea. And so the last two kings of Israel, at least, he, um, he prophesied during their time and right to the end of the kingdom of Israel. So he was still a prophet when Israel ceased to be a, ancient Israel ceased to be a nation. He's mentioned in the book of Jeremiah. And so in Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 17, the elders spoke concerning Jer Jeremiah in reference to Micah. Micah, Morshethite, prophesied in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed like a field, and Jerusalem shall become heaps, and the mountains of the house of the, as the far high places of a forest. And we'll read that text, not tonight, but another week as we continue through Micah. And so they're quoting directly from the book of Micah, um, and mentioning him by name, and mentioning the time when he mentioned this prophecy during the king Hezekiah, during the days of king Hezekiah. 
did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah put him at all to death? Because that's what they were thinking of doing to Jeremiah. And so someone spoke up and said, well, hey, not only did Jeremiah speak pretty strongly, Micah spoke pretty strongly, and Hezekiah didn't kill Micah, so we shouldn't kill Jeremiah. That, that was the reasoning. So go on again, uh, Jeremiah 26, verse 19. Did, king, did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah put him to death for those words? Did he not fear the Lord and besought the Lord? And the Lord repented of the evil which he had pronounced against them. So, we know from this text that Micah prophesied in the days of Hezekiah and that Hezekiah responded positively to the message of Micah and repented. And all Judah repented as well. And we read that last week where it said um, in 2 Kings 20 that, uh, no, in 2 Chronicles, I forget what chapter, 39 or something like that, that Hezekiah became proud after his healing and after the angel of the Lord killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night, one angel. And Judah and Hezekiah got lifted up, got proud, and then they humbled themselves before the Lord and uh, confessed their sins and God forgave them. And this is, gives us a little bit more insight into the reason that Hezekiah repented and how he knew that he was sinning, how he became convicted that he was sinning, was because God used Micah to speak to him and speak to his heart and led him in repentance. And then Hezekiah besought the Lord, and the Lord repented of the evil which he had pronounced against them. So a little bit of bringing all the picture together, the different uh, chapters of the Bible together and different players of the Bible, and, and seeing how uh, their messages spoke not only in Micah's time to Hezekiah, but was still speaking in Jeremiah's time to the people uh, that were contemplating what to do about Jeremiah and Jeremiah's message. So it also applies to us and our lives today as well. So back to Micah, chapter 1, verse 2. Hear all you peoples, listen, O earth, and all that is in it. Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord, from his holy temple. So the Lord is speaking from his holy temple. And no doubt a reference to the temple that was standing that Hezekiah opened up, although I, I don't imagine that Micah chapter 1 was during the time of Hezekiah, probably during one of those earlier kings, Jothan or Ahaz. Um, and so not only the holy temple that was standing in Jerusalem, but the heavenly temple, the heavenly holy temple where the Lord sits enthroned on high, and the Lord speaking from there, and so this could be a message in relation to Ahaz shutting up the temple. And Micah reminding them, God is still sitting on his throne in his temple, and he's still speaking to us from his temple. But either way, God does still sit on his throne. God is in his temple, and God still has messages for us. And he calls for all the people to listen, all the earth, and everyone that is in it, not just Samaria, not just Jerusalem, but for all the world. The Lord God is a witness against us. He sees all, he knows all. Verse 3, Behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. He will come down and tread the high places of the earth. The mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like the waters poured down a steep place. Reference to the second coming. The Lord returning, the Lord coming back, the Lord in his mighty power and his might. 
the Lord coming actually to his third coming, the Lord stepping and treading down the high places and the whole earth melting under him. And the valley splitting like wax before the fire of the Lord, the judgment of the Lord, the final, final judgment of the Lord when he comes. Yes, the ultimate young Kippur, the final day of God's judgment. He's coming and he'll come out of his place. He will come from his holy temple. He will come from his throne and he will come to this earth. And when he comes to this earth, he comes with fire and destroys this earth. Verse 5, all this is for the transgression of Jacob and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem. So he's pointing out the sins and refers to Samaria and Samaria, um, the sins in Samaria, the capital of Israel, and Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. Judgment will come, he says, because of the sins of the people and the sins of the leaders in their capitals. And that message applies for us today as well. Especially in a country where we have a democracy, where we're able to vote in who our leader is. And we choose, and there's a saying, we will get what we deserve. We have to watch out and be careful and be in prayer. Verse 6, I will make Samaria a heap of ruins, places for planting a vineyard. I will pour down her stones into the valley. I will uncover her foundations. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces. All her pay as a harlot shall be burned with the fire. So he's speaking to Samaria, speaking about last day events, but also then giving us a reference to Samaria, the nation of Israel that would be destroyed and was destroyed during Micah's time by the Assyrians coming in, laying siege for three years to Samaria, and it finally falling and all of its carved images beaten to pieces, foundations uncovered, stones poured down into the valley and destroyed. Verse 13. This is a little out of sequence with the chapter, but I wanted to place this in here. O inhabitants of Lachish, harness the chariots to the swift steeds. She was the beginning of sins to the daughters of Zion. For the transgressions of Israel were found in you. So he mentions Lachish, which is down in the tribes of Judah. And he says the sins of Israel were found in you. You were the beginning of the sin to the daughter of Zion. And as we read when we read through the life of Hezekiah, Lachish gets attacked by the king of Samaria, by the king of Assyria, the same one who attacked the king of Samaria and took Israel captive. After taking Israel captive, the king of Assyria comes down, Sennacherib, and attacks Lachish. That's mentioned here. And takes Lachish. And so now we get a little bit more insight into the story of Lachish, the reason it fell while Jerusalem was spared, was Lachish brought the sins of Israel down into Judah. And there are excavations going on right now. And they are finding some of the very idols of it, that were in uh, Lachish that were used by the people there. 
And so God allowed, God pulled back his protection over that city of Judah because of their sins. It gives us a little insight that they're the ones who then began. It was a big, it was a, a strong city, a powerful city, walled city, a defensive city, protecting for Egypt, a trade route city, going down to the south, very important, crucial one, and for them to bring the idols in there, and no doubt people again traveling merchants and all like that, bringing all the different things. They were exposed to a lot of different um, gods and and temptations, and they yielded to it and allowed it to come into Judah. And God points that out and condemns them for it. Verse 8. Therefore I will wail. This is Micah talking about himself. I will wail and howl. I will go stripped and naked. That's the title of the sermon. For our wounds are incurable. For it has come to Judah. It has come to the gate of my people, to Jerusalem. Tell it not in Gath. Weep not at all. Roll yourself in the dust. Pass by in naked shame. So when Micah is told by God about the sins and what's going to happen to Samaria, about the sins in Jerusalem, about the sins in Lachish, he doesn't respond with a haughty, well, I am so glad I am not like them. I am so glad I am better than them. I'm so glad I'm not a sinner like they are, and they're going to get what they deserve anyway those filthy sinners, those pagans, those idol worshipers, those mean-hearted people. Glad to hear they're going to be laid flat. Glad to hear they're going to be destroyed. Glad to hear God will hold them accountable. Glad to hear that God is against them. and Judgment will come upon them. No, instead, he weeps and wails, and howls, tears his clothing, stripped and naked. And he doesn't desire it to be heard in the land of the Philistines. Similar to David says, tell it not in Gath. Weep not at all. Don't let the enemies of God's people know of our sins Know of the judgment that's going to come upon us. And then he encourages us. Roll yourself in the dust. Weep for the sins of this world. What comes to our mind when we hear of some criminal getting there just to When we hear of some evil, some group that's doing evil, having evil done back to them. When we hear of calamities taking place against the enemies of God's people. What comes to our mind? What do we do? How do we react? What do we think? It's easy to be tempted when we see these warring groups killing each other. Oh, well, 
Good thing there's less of them to persecute us. There's less of them to kill at us. Good, they're fighting each other. That way they're not fighting us. Keep them busy fighting each other. But that's not how Micah responded. He wept and wailed, howled, cried for the sins done in the land. And the reason Micah did that was because Micah had God's heart. And when we accept the death of Messiah, it says he died for our sin. It means he died because of our sinful nature. That he took our sinful nature upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us. That we who know no righteousness might become the righteousness of God in him. He took our minds, our thoughts, our carnal nature, our stinking attitudes, and placed it in himself. He did a heart transfer with us. And it killed him. What do you mean that he died for us? And then we received his heart. And that's what it means to be born anew. We have a new heart. We have a new life. And we have a new mind. We have his mind in us. His heart in us. And what concerns him then concerns us. And how he feels about the wicked. And how he longs for them. And cries for them. And weeps for them. And intercedes for them. We will do likewise. And if we're not doing likewise, it's just a wake-up call, it's just a warning light on our dashboard saying, repent and turn your carnal mind and your carnal heart over to him and accept his death for the destruction of it and ask for him to fill you with his Holy Spirit. To write his laws into your mind and into your heart. To let this mind that was in Yeshua the Messiah be in you. And to think about these people like he thinks. So next time we hear and we're tempted to rejoice in their calamity, maybe it's someone who did you wrong, maybe it's someone who hurt you, maybe some company that fired you and now they're going into bankruptcy or or some friend or spouse or child who turned their back on you, or parent, or someone from school or some teacher or some company. And we're tempted to rejoice in their suffering. We can confess those thoughts, reject those thoughts, and ask for God's mind and God's heart concerning them.
In verse 16, he says, make yourself bald and cut off your hair because of your precious children. Enlarge your baldness like an eagle, for they shall go from you into captivity. This message from Micah, it's very similar to what we read last week in Isaiah, and we'll read it again. Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. The days are coming when all that is in your house shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left. They shall take away some of your sons whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Because of Hezekiah's sin, some of his children down the line will be taken to Babylon, made into eunuchs. And the nation will be destroyed. Now again in review, did Hezekiah respond? So Hezekiah said to Isaiah, the word the Lord which you have spoken is good. Or he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my day. At least it's not happening to me. At least I'm not at that company anymore. At least things are okay here. At least there's peace and safety here. At least I still have a hot shower, and I'm able to go to any store I want and choose whatever color jam I want. Whatever brand of toilet paper I want. I still got four walls around me, and it's a nice sunny day out. All is good. You know, we listen to the news. Another hundred or whatever burned in a church by Boko Haram or whatever, whatever they're called. But tomorrow it's going to be sunny in the 70s. <laughs> the weekend's looking good. You know, just little blips on our radar, if that much. But all's good here. Peace and safety here. We're able to just move on. When people around the world being killed and massacred, their rights are being denied, their faith is being persecuted, their children are being killed, taken nine years old and sold as slaves to the soldiers, sex slaves. Horrible things are happening in this world. Are we saying, it's good, peace and truth in my days, peace and truth in my house, peace and truth in my town, peace and truth in my neighborhood, peace and truth here in Florida, it's all good. Are we weeping and mourning? Read again what Micah says, I will wail and howl, I will go stripped and naked, Roll yourself in the dust. Pass by in naked shame. Make yourself bald and cut off your hair because of your precious children. Enlarge your baldness like an eagle. 
for they shall go from you into captivity. Do we look at this generation and say, what a bunch of airheads? sitting there, just tweeting along with their thumbs and texting, can't even spell. Don't even know. They think that uh, Jonah Ark, Jonah Ark was uh, Noah's wife. True. What the survey show? They think Judge Judy is a Supreme Court judge. True? And what a dumb nation, what dumb people sitting there watching Bart Simpson. Just dumbed down. They're going to get what they deserve. I'm safe. I'm getting old anyway. Hopefully I'll just last and the next generation will reap the whirlwind. It'll be their problem. They can deal with this debt. They can deal with this crisis. They can deal with this pollution. Europe being taken over, well, hey, not my problem. The rates taking over Europe had probably outlasted taking over here in America. I'm safe, I'm good. The children, happen to the next generation. Stuff on them. A bunch of Xers or Ys or Zs or whatever they come up with them for them. That'll be their problem. Only got a few more years left anyway. I'm safe and secure in my guarded, gated community. My little ticky-tack home. It's all good. Peace and truth in my days. Peace and truth for me. Hey, even if the calamity comes now, I lived enough long, long enough to, I had enough good times. I had enough peace and safety for myself. Let them deal with it. Nuclear Iran, well, hey, they still got another few years. and Were they able to put it on a rocket and reach me anyway? North Korea, we got a little time there too, and so, hey, I'm still okay. Next generation, well, I don't know about them, but, you know, I really don't care. Make yourself bald. Cut off your hair because of your precious children. Enlarge your baldness like an eagle. For they shall go from you into captivity. Do we care more? Do we care about things more than just what affects us? More than just what affects me. Or are we concerned for this world? Are we concerned for Samaria? Are we concerned for Syria? Are we concerned for the nations? Are we concerned for the children? Both our own and the children of this world. Children growing up illiterate children placed in various forms of bondage in this world, educationally or 
emotionally or religiously? Do we care that error is gaining on every side and God's truth is being suppressed? Do we hold the values of the Bible? Do we live by them ourselves? Are we looking for and supporting people who maintain those values in their own lives? Or are we just concerned about ourselves? Is our value money and prosperity? Is our value our own safety? Is our value limited to our retirement accounts and our social security? Or are our values God's values? Are our thoughts God's thoughts? Are we weeping and howling and wailing in our prayer closets for the sins that are going on in the world and the atrocities that are happening. Whose heart do we have? Whose mind do we have? Are we focused just on ourselves and our day or are we concerned for the world and future generations. And if we are concerned for the world and future generations, what are we doing about it? Micah didn't just wail and howl and pray. He stripped himself naked and walked around so other people knew that he was concerned for the world and the lost and the future generations. And he tells us to cut our hair and go around bald for the same reason. So that it can be seen that we're mourning for the lost people of this world. Are we lifting up our voice in prayer in whatever section and avenue we have? Make our concerns known. And to press our leaders to stand for the right and to protect those who are not able to protect themselves. As we pray, God's been speaking to your heart. You've found yourself rejoicing in calamities of others instead of weeping, howling. Rolling in the dust in prayer. Let us receive God's forgiveness. Let us receive God's removal of our unclean heart. Let us ask for God's spirit to empower us lead us in the way everlasting. God's impressing your heart and your mind. There's something more you can do. There's people that you can stand. There's a stand. There's 
there's, there's a position that you can take. There's some way you can demonstrate your concern for those in the world in need and even right around us. Demonstrate love for the lost and a concern for those that are being persecuted and abused and hurt. Let us pray and ask God to give us his spirit to act upon those thoughts and those desires to make a difference in this world while we're still here. Let's pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, Lord, you see continually 24-7, your eyes never shut, and you're able to see the whole world at all times. And you see firsthand the horrible atrocities taking place in this world. And you're never able to blink, you're never able to close your eyes, you're never able to turn your head. And all you've asked us to do is to fast and pray with you for an hour. Lord, we confess that we've been sleeping. We confess that we've only been concerned about ourselves. We confess our selfishness. Lord, forgive this world. Forgive this country. Forgive us. Forgive me for our evil, carnal thoughts. Forgive us for running to do evil. Forgive us for being glad when we see evil done, even to evil people. Lord, cleanse our hearts and minds through the power and sacrifice of the Messiah. Fill us with your mind and fill us with your heart. That we have your burden, we have your concerns. And fill us with your power to act upon it as well. In Yeshua's holy name, amen.